0: My favorite
1: Mm
0: place. We know know plays plays are bad, bad. but this this is the main. And I'm Jeffrey Todd Knuckles, and welcome to the first episode of My Favorite Plague. Doing our part in this most recent plague, we bravely stayed home and watched television. Discovering a fascination with plagues, we also kept discussing what our behaviors during a plague said about us and our society. We thought you might enjoy this conversation as well, so every episode, we pick a plague and each present our favorite thing about that plague. After presenting our favorite thing, we discuss what we think it all means. We have created uh, discussion boards on our website, myfavoriteplague.com, so we can hear your opinions and ideas. Too soon? We don't think so. Probably too late, if you ask us.
1: For our first episode, we need to acknowledge two people dr dorsey armstrong was our inspiration for the podcast as we became obsessed with streaming her great courses series on the plague deep in the COVID pandemic we've provided a link to her series on our website in the resources section secondly we owe a great debt to jamie jeffers the creator of the british history podcast. we shamelessly stole his funding model And his advice to get comfortable with doing it badly at first gives us the courage to forge ahead and hopefully get better. You can check out a link to his podcast and others we enjoy on MyFavoritePlague.com. What plague is this? Hi, I'm Beth. Today we're here at the MFP
0: talking about the Black Death, the Big Bad Plague the one that was such a big plague that you could actually just call it the plague. In its heyday, the Black Death killed 30-50% to of the European population. There are convincing arguments that there were actually multiple diseases floating around at the time, so the Yersinia pestis bacterium may be getting the credit for the work of anthrax, hemorrhagic fever, as well as an increased vulnerability due to malnutrition. Regardless of the exact culprit, the mid-1300s were objectively the worst, and very few people behaved well. Now it's time to hear Elise and Todd's favorite things about the Black Death.
1: And now it's time for Elise. While it's possible that the Black Death would have spread across the world anyways, there's an origin story for the plague. Um, because it was initially used supposedly as a biological weapon by the Tartars against the Genoese in the siege of Caffa in 1346. As the legend has it, the Genoese sailed back to Italy and started spreading the plague. In all likelihood, it was a bit more complicated than that, but these events did occur and certainly didn't help. This wasn't the last time plague was used as a biological weapon. In World War II, the Japanese released lab-infected plague fleas onto the Chinese, but since they couldn't control their own casualties when they released it, they ended the field trials. There were other attempts to weaponize the plague in these years, but work began in earnest after World War II during the Cold War. So, in addition to a horrific nuclear arms race, the U.S. and Russia were engaged in a plague race, both seeking to aerosolize plague to drop on the populations from above. Models developed from a committee of the World Health Organization predicted that if there was no adequate precautions, an initial outbreak of, break of plague from an aerosolized attack involving 50% of the population could result in an infection of 90% of the population in 20 to 30 days, and it cause an eventual fatality rate of 60 to 70%. Now, that's not my favorite thing about the plague. My favorite thing about the plague is that there were government scientists coming home from work in the 1960s, and they were just total psychos. How is work today, honey? Well, if we can't aerosolize this plague, we will never get the kind of fatality numbers we need. It's so frustrating. Who is the person reading about this night- the nightmarish hellscape of plague times and thinks you know, a plague really could come in handy. I'm sure we could control it. I just have this picture of these normal-looking guys in gray suits playing with their kids on the weekend and then concocting genocide in the office. If I try to use plague as a means of understanding human behavior, these scientists absolutely confound me. And I really want to understand how they did it.
0: Okay. Uh, I have a couple of questions. Uh, number one, you said it was the Tartars at the beginning. Um, uh, my my first question is: Is this where the delicious sauce came from? Uh, uh and uh, is this just another wonderful thing that the plague, the OG plague, gave us?
1: Well, it's weird that you say that because the Tartars are actually the origin for the sauce they didn't eat it but i think everything in the near east was hip in paris when they were making tartar sauce mm-hmm. and so that is the name but we would have had that regardless of the plague so you can't chalk that up you as can't a favorite chalk it up to the
0: plague but that's that's it's good to know yes but I mean, it's
1: it's not a favorite plague thing but it is a favorite thing
0: and delicious okay okay what do you mean by aerosolizing the plague what is to aerosolize a plague mean i mean are they sticking it in cans that otherwise would be full of right guard
1: um yes that's it exactly yeah. no um they were trying and t- from what <laughs> i understand and all the research that i've done um the russians were successful in aerosolizing it but the americans never successfully aerosolized it or at least as far as any of us know And what they would do is they would put it either in a powder form or a liquid form and then be able to spray it out with what they called little bomblets. That's kind of the extent of my technical knowledge. So what I imagine is that they would fly over areas and drop tiny little bombs that would bust somehow and send droplets of plague out to the population below
0: probably experimented on uh you know people in the gulag uh
1: definitely they did they absolutely did they experimented on prisoners of war and people in um various types of incarceration that's for sure that's documented uh
0: knowing you and knowing your knowledge of cold war era politicians like Henry Kissinger or even Lyndon Johnson, uh, you know, any of these any of these uh, cold air politicians. Do you find this surprising?
1: I don't find it surprising in politicians and people I already knew. That's the reason why it's my favorite plague. I find it surprising. Your
0: favorite part of this plague.
1: Favorite part of this plague. Yes. Um, I find it. Not the guys I know, like these big characters like Henry Kissinger's got a lot to answer for. I get it. But these scientists that probably led normal lives and weren't trying to take control of office or conquer a whole other country so they could be the leader. They were just these scientist guys. And I guess I can get there thinking that they just had a problem to solve and it was a pure scientific problem. But I gotta think that at some point they were like, huh, if I'm successful at this, there's a likelihood that we could have an outbreak of plague that no one can control and will kill even more than the people we want to kill, which is bad enough. So it's not the leaders being bad. I guess it's just that I romanticize scientists, I guess, a little bit to have brains. Yeah, and uh...
0: I mean, I can see them. You know that that it, it certainly during the time it would be like a uh, you know an us or them a mentality. You know, uh, and just because someone's a, a scientist, you know, I mean, maybe that's it. You're right. It's like, well, here's you know, here's the problem. How do we solve it? You know, we're trying to we're trying to aerosolize the the plague let's let's get to work <laughs> yeah
1: i guess that's that's just it you don't uh, think about what happens once you solve the problem
0: all right. all right well that's uh that's cool that's your favorite thing about
1: i'm not saying it's my favorite thing that people almost died of the plague if they'd succeeded it probably wouldn't be my favorite thing it's my favorite thing cuz it's so interesting
0: right right thank you for clarifying
1: okay i'm not a monster mm-hmm. And now it's time for Todd.
0: My favorite thing about the plague uh, is the flagellant movement. If you haven't heard of them, they were a group of people all throughout Europe, but primarily in Germany, who traveled from village to dell during the, the Great Plague to make a public spectacle of beating themselves bloody. Now, the belief system behind this movement was the idea that the plague occurred because people hadn't suffered as Christ had suffered on the cross, and and they took the suffering on for humanity. Now, that's kind of a Reader's Digest version. If you want a clear um, description of the flagellant program, Uh, and if you're really interested, I would recommend uh, Dorsey Armstrong. She has an excellent account of the flagellants in episode 14 of her course on the Black Plague. And we have a link on our website so basically this is how how it would go down large groups would spontaneously enter a medieval town singing religious songs and then proceed to the church and lock themselves in they would then burst out wearing loincloths or some sort of something like very much like a loincloth they would prostrate themselves either in the form of a cross or a representation of their worst sin, which is interesting. I don't know how they did that, uh, at the entrances of the church and begin whipping either themselves or other members of the group. Um, So the whip was constructed with a stick that had uh, three leather thongs attached, three or four leather thongs attached to it. And uh, woven into the leather were needles or barbs in the shape of a cross, in case you're interested, we have provided a link to flagellant art on the resources page of the website so you can see images of these whips. A uh, personal account uh, uh, from the time by a gentleman named Klossner said Klossner stated that blood would splatter the walls. Now, this movement went on for about a year but eventually lost support from the church because flagellants began to take on the role of a preacher. And this was viewed as undermining the authority of the church. Of course it was. After a while, even the towns became disenchanted with the flagellants because children would run off to join them like the Pied Piper, and eventually they were excommunicated. So essentially, the pope put the kibosh on the whole party i'm fascinated with any sort of mass psychosis event especially one in which a large group of people convince themselves of something that i find wholly other wholly unbelievable so something that's analogous would be uh, like an event that would be something that has happened in our lifetime something that's current not too long ago several people gathered in dallas believing that JFK Jr., the deceased JFK Jr., was going to return and he would endorse Donald Trump for president. I guess I just don't understand how they convince themselves that this is the thing that's going to to fix everything. Yeah, so that's that's my favorite thing about the OG plague.
1: I guess I have a couple of questions. Um, The first question is, I mean, I get that the Pope, started not liking it and the town started not liking it but based on our experience with covid do you think that part of the reason it died out that was it traveling during a pandemic and weakening your immune system by beating the crap out of yourself may have made people die well
0: uh, probably i mean you know maybe maybe that's that could be it but they it seems like I, w- I would imagine that, that, you know, with someone as thorough as Dorsey Armstrong, that that would be recorded somewhere. That another reason is, hey, they just all started dying off as well. I don't, you don't see that anywhere. I mean, it could be somewhere and no one's mentioned it. It seems highly possible. Seems right. I mean, you're we're walking around with open wounds and the black plague out there seems like, you know, that's not a good idea.
1: Right. So, yeah. It's not recommended by yeah, the CDC. By
0: the, yeah. There you go.
1: So I want you so you said it's totally other than you but I you've a really for you but it's you've a really good imagination. So if you had to put yourself in the mindset of one of these people, what do you think it would be like being a member of this group?
0: Well, I imagine like any other group, it's a sense of belonging and also probably, you know, a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging and and uh and i would imagine that they probably took care of you as well you know if you as you traveled from town to town and what you did you know they they were like all right now it's time for you know potato soup or here's a leaf of cabbage <laughs> or whatever it is that they gave you <laughs> right. you know like any other group what's why people join any group is a sense of belonging and probably also a sense of of uh of, of you know contact with other and camaraderie
1: i mean i, I Not guess that groups are
0: bad folks we love groups
1: right right i guess though at a certain point but i guess you're right like physical pain is a part of a lot of cults and i guess it's easier to convince yourself that whipping being whipped when everyone's dying around you with the black plague, maybe stuff just doesn't seem as crazy. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, it's like, you know, everybody in your village or half your people in your village died yesterday and someone says, "Well, the reason is is because we're not suffering as Christ did, so join our our, our band of wanderers and beat yourself bloody." Well, that makes as much sense as anything else.
1: Well, I mean, I guess it does. I mean, this is a pre-science very religious time Mm -hmm. and maybe the flagellants are just an example or an illustration of how much it sucked and you felt completely without any control and maybe this you would allow you to exert some control over a situation
0: say anything we can say that the plague sucked
1: yeah yeah, that's my in-depth analysis. <laughs> in-depth analysis. Plague sucked, what? I guess. <laughs> what we learned today yeah, is the plague. plague sucked. Sucked. Yeah. But it sucked enough that you were willing to travel from town to town getting beaten with barbs until the blood spattered on the wall. Yeah. You need and- a measure measuring stick of yeah. suckiness. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, who knows?
0: Maybe there was some kind of uh, mental catharsis. Like maybe you felt... Something, you know, like I did mm. something, you know, like instead of just sitting there watching people dying, you did something that was, you know, absolutely uh, I don't know.
1: Self-sacrificing, self-sacrificing and there probably felt productive. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, a f- yeah.
0: Flair for the old dramatic, a little bit of vaudeville, you know, a little entertainment.
1: Yeah. Huh. Well, that makes sense. I get it. Okay.
0: Is that all your questions?
1: Those are all my questions for right now. Okay. I'll wake you up at 3 a.m. with more. Okay. All right. What What does it all mean? mean? What
0: does it all mean? What does it all mean now? What does it all mean? What does it all mean? What does it all mean mean
1: now? In order to bring everything together for the What Does It All Mean section of the podcast, I think the obvious leap is that both the flagellants and the Cold War scientists were seeking to gain control over the plague. I don't think that's a crazy impulse. I think that's probably a good idea. If you're faced with catastrophic deaths and despair during a horrible event, trying to get some control over it is a good response.
0: Sure. Why not? I think the scientists were using 20th century science and techniques to to gain control over use the plague as a weapon and the flagellants were using you know violence and spectacle to uh to tell everyone that you had to have penance to stop the plague so eventually you, you know both of them were going in the direction of controlling and or stopping the plague yeah
1: where i think it all went wrong for them is that I think they became both groups more interested in the big sexy solution rather than a reasonable thought out solution. They wanted this big, quick or not necessarily quick, but big exciting fix.
0: I think the 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 scientists clearly wanted some kind of Sean Connery, James Bond, uh plague pellet that you would throw in the submarine and escape on your jet pack. And the flagellants, this was all spectacle. This was, um, this was a big spectacle. It goes back to, there's a Latin phrase, Latin everybody, "Panem et says It means bread and circuses. It goes back to the days of the Colosseum. They would bake bread and throw it out to the crowd, and they had, you know, uh, fighters and all that kind of stuff. What are they called? I can't remember what they're called right now. Uh, they had the fighters, gladiators. the gladiators, and they would fight. <laughs> and this was something done that the that the the roman emperors would do just to to entertain people it was just a distraction so it's bread and circuses it's all bread and circuses and i think that's what the the flagellants were doing just a big spectacle you know
1: and i think that both groups became more engaged with the spectacle and the cool ideas than they did with actually solving the problem and i think that they potentially made it much much worse If you nuclear bomb a country, it's terrible. I'm not saying it's not terrible. It's a bad idea. I'm 100% against it. However, you bomb that country, it affects a much larger area of that country than most people are willing to admit and for a much longer time, making it evil and not worth it. But if you're the homeland dropping that nuclear bomb, someone from the country you've just bombed can't get on a plane and bring radiation to your small Midwestern town. The same cannot be said for the plague. If you drop plague bombs on people and they all catch the plague, you you can ruin life for everyone in the world. So.
0: Bad decision. It's
1: a bad decision. Plus wind.
0: Yeah. And I guess with the flagellants, they were... You know, they could be carriers and taking it from town to town is probably not a good I- idea either. And, and you know, and exposing yourself to, uh, to air is <laughs> a bad idea. When there's all sorts of plague around and cutting up open wounds and whatnot, not a, not a good idea. Right.
1: Making yourself as physically vulnerable as possible during right. a plague epidemic, probably not, not the a, greatest of ideas.
0: Not a good idea.
1: But right. they were in these groups.
0: right? And it was a group you had two people want to be part of a group. People want to be part of a group that's doing something. I can't imagine the kind of paranoia that the 20th century uh, Cold War scientists were experiencing. Um, that's a group. It's probably a very tight knit group of people and of people I think that probably were convinced that they had the right idea and that they knew the right thing to do. And so the best and thing they to were do
1: smart would... enough to do it.
0: Right. And the flagellants were definitely convinced that this was the best way was to pay penance, um, you know, to God and, and that this was the best way to do we had to do something. The reason why we're suffering is because we're not suffering the way Christ suffered on the cross. And so let's this is a solution, you know. So you join that group, you're doing something.
1: And in that process, you cut yourself off to external ideas, or if you do hear external ideas, You don't give them as much credence as you do for people within the group. The closer, more closely knit the group becomes, the more intensely you interact, the more severe and dramatic your solutions, the less you pull back and take in outside ideas and reflect on the worthwhileness of the whole mission.
0: Worthwhileness.
1: Yeah, it's a new word I invented.
0: There we go. Heard it here. right.
1: But I, I think that happens. You get in this group think mentality and you don't question what you're doing the longer and closer the group comes together.
0: So nuclear bombing is bad. Just to underline nuclear bombing is bad. Yes, and, that's and, what I said. And group groups are bad. Just to underline.
1: Groups aren't bad. Just... But when you are in a tight knit group, as we saw in COVID, particularly on the Internet. You have to be able to pull out and take a look at the bigger picture. And I think that when there's a plague, people don't aren't very good at doing that. I think that they, they, they get closer and closer because they're scared. Agreed. <laughs> so we would really love to hear what you think it all means. And you can do that by becoming a member, going to myfavoriteplague.com becoming a member, and joining our discussion board on what do you think it all means. We would love to engage with you and hear what you have to say about that. And maybe we can bring back your ideas in one of the members-only podcasts.
0: Great, Do it.
1: (laughs) Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to our first episode of My Favorite Plague. We want to thank Kristen for her lovely singing and Beth for being brave and explaining the great plague to us. Please visit myfavoriteplague.com and become a member for lots of exciting extras. Next episode, we will discuss Cocoliztli, a Mexican plague that almost wiped out the Aztecs. Thanks again and have a lovely and plague-free day.